You're enjoying your day, everything's going your way, then along comes Debbie Downer. Always here to tell you about a new disease, a car accident, or killer bees. You'll beg her to spare you. Debbie, please, but you can't stop Debbie Downer. <laughs> Debbie Downer is one of the most humorous... Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Debbie Downer is one of the most humorous characters in the history of Saturday Night Live, played by the always funny Rachel Dratch. Debbie was a caricature of an overly pessimistic person who could never say anything optimistic or joyful, but only talked about depressing things. She'd be at a nice steak dinner and say, you know, ever since they found mad cow disease in the U.S., I'm not taking any chances. Or she might be at Disney World getting a picture with Pluto, saying, you know, in that costume, you're probably already in the beginning stages of heat stroke. Or you could be at a dinner party and say, did you hear about that train derailment in North Korea? My gosh. If there's one person that just epitomizes Debbie Downer in scripture, it's Job. He's, he's, he's the Bible's Debbie Downer. So many bad things happen to him, seemingly none of them justified. He just brightens up your Sunday morning. I've forgotten what happiness is, and a good day to all of you. Every time you get Job, you know there's going to be something weighty and heavy attached to it. Because he went through so much. If you ever read the book of Job, you know that he went through an immense amount of suffering and desolation all throughout his life. And so I find it interesting that this first reading from Job is paired with and twinned with the gospel that we just heard of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law and healing so many people in the area of Capernaum. The church in her wisdom always has the first reading and the gospel themed together for our Sunday readings. And it might seem an odd juxtaposition of misery and healing, of sorrow and joy, of struggle and triumph that we hear today. These readings seemingly don't have much in common. But in praying earlier this week, I came across some beautiful words from St. Cyril of Jerusalem, one of the early church fathers, who was writing about this juxtaposition of any time that we see Jesus healing someone, how do we reconcile it with the suffering that we still go through on a regular basis? So St. Cyril writes, take, for example, the man born blind who was healed at the pool of Siloam. There is a sense of wonder there, and rightly so, that this man recovered his sight. But of what importance is this when there are so many blind people in the world? Lazarus rose from the dead, but even this affected only Lazarus. What of those countless numbers who have died because of their sins? Those five miraculous loaves fed 5,000 people, yet this is a small number compared to those all over the world who are starved by ignorance. It's an astute observation from St. Cyril, and fair questions all. Because for every healing that is worked by Jesus, there's still innumerable people who suffer from the very same afflictions that he worked so hard to heal in the Gospels. For every mother-in-law of Simon, there are many who die far too young. And for all the joy that Christ brought to those around him, there are still many more whose lives feel like Job. So what are we to make of this? How can we rejoice in a miracle such as the healing of Simon's mother-in-law and yet still be empathetic and even at times feel like Job? That our life is a drudgery, we've been assigned misery, and that we will never see happiness again. 
How does a miracle such as this affect us, especially if our lives consist of daily suffering? In this juxtaposition of the miracles of Jesus and the human condition. Well, brothers and sisters, when Christ comes into this world, he sees the human race as a collective Job. Having gone, gone through suffering and desolation, people who have forgot what happiness is. Without Christ, that is certainly how we would feel. Forgetting what happiness would be, that our lives would be a drudgery. And again, he sees us in this light. And so his mission is to transcend human misery, one person at a time. Now sure, we might wish that he would work a little bit faster. And maybe help a few more people than what he seems to do. But Jesus works quite slowly and deliberately. To show us that he sees the specific burdens and miseries and trials of each person who comes before him. That he truly knows them intimately. Each of the miseries and sufferings that of all the people that he chooses to heal. He knows them uniquely, not just collectively as a group. He knows them specifically. And further, maybe for the rest of us, our God comes to heal us of the very thing that causes those sufferings in the first place. Namely, our sins. And our God does so, of course, on the cross through his most merciful heart. The cross is Jesus' answer to our miseries, the ones he wasn't physically able to address while on this earth. So many times we ask and question the meaning of suffering and ask, why do bad things happen to good people? All of it has been asked of God over the course of the centuries and millennia. All of it been thrown on him. We ask him to do something about it. And the cross is his answer to all of it. We think about it, we look at the cross and the suffering that Jesus endured. It's the culmination and the sum total of human misery and suffering. All of it thrown on the, the shoulders of Jesus that he freely embraced for you and for me. All the compounded miseries of the human condition put onto the beloved Son of God who took them upon his shoulders. The cross, we can say, is the epicenter of human misery, whether it's internal anguish of the garden of Gethsemane, or the physical suffering of the scourging and the crucifixion, or the desolation of being abandoned by Jesus. All of it, it's the epicenter of misery. But the cross is also, brothers and sisters, the epicenter of mercy for the entire world, poured out for you and me. The word mercy in Latin is misericordia. And it's a combination of two words. Misery, which, you know, misery, kind of an easy one there. And cordia, meaning heart. Our God's plan is to extend his heart into the miseries of our lives. To heal them and to redeem them. His heart is one that knew misery and knew it quite well. And he desires from that miserableness, that miserable heart almost, to love us perfectly and completely. His heart, which bled for us on the cross, is meant to reach out to you and me today. Whether that's us experiencing illness, 
or sickness or any defect or suffering in our lives or in the lives of those that we know and love. Whenever we experience misery and suffering, we often ask, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in the midst of all this? And through the cross, we know that where is he? Well, he is on the cross, suffering with you and for you. Our miseries and our burdens are no less important to God than the ones that afflicted Simon's mother-in-law or any of the people that our Lord healed in the gospel. They are every bit as significant to Jesus. And in fact, in our gospel today, after taking time away in prayer, as he goes away to that place of solitude, the apostles come to him and find him and said, Lord, there are so many more people who need you. And his reply is very simple. For this purpose I have come. For this purpose I have come. It's as if he is saying to us, for you and your miseries I have come. To heal and transform them I have come. In places in desolation, when we feel least loved in our lives, or we feel the most pain, whenever we feel like Job, we can hear Jesus say these exact words to us, for this reason I have come. And see him look us in the eye when he says it pointing to us, hear his words individually. Brothers and sisters, God's heart is for you, for your miseries, for your sufferings. Let him reach out to you today and extend his heart into your life and into those circumstances that you find most difficult. That heart that bled for love, that took on the frailty of the human race, so that we might know that we have a God who came into this world to heal, redeem, and transform our afflictions through his most holy cross.